Well, good day, everybody, and welcome once again to Connect Church Online. As always, it is such a privilege to be able to be with you, to be able to unpack God's Word with you, and I trust that you'll be blessed today as we do that. Today, uh, we are going to be looking at wisdom, talking about wisdom, unpacking godly wisdom, how beneficial it is, how to get it, and, and how as Christians we really should be pursuing godly wisdom, desiring it with all of our hearts and applying it to our lives as a spiritual growth strategy and as a way of honoring God and, and maturing in our faith. Now, as John mentioned uh, just now, my sermon title, what I've entitled this message is What to Do with a Tomato. Uh, and that may seem a bit, le- a bit misleading and a bit disconnected and out of context. Uh, some of you may know where I'm going with that. Others may not, but that's fine. It'll all become clear in a moment. But what to do with the tomato is what I've called this message. Before we get into the message, I want to speak to you about a guy named Richard Buckminster Fuller. He was a man who developed what is known as the knowledge doubling curve. And what he noted was that in the year 1900, human knowledge was doubling every century. So every 100 years, human knowledge, generally speaking, doubled. Then he noted around about World War II time, 1940, 1945, that human knowledge was doubling every 25 years. And that was obviously directly linked to the advent of new technologies, the way we distributed um, information and uh, the amount of information that was accessible to people because of what we had developed and how we were able to get communication uh, or the, the communication of knowledge and information out there. Today, things are a little bit different, obviously, again, directly linked to the amount of technology we have and the way we distribute technology and the availability of access points to information for people. And so we've also got different types of technology, like nanotechnology, they reckon, is developing every two years. We are doubling our knowledge on nanotechnology uh, issues and, and subjects every two years. Clinical knowledge is doubling every, 30, uh, every 18 months, they reckon. Um, and human knowledge, generally speaking, they, they say is doubling every 13 months. So what we know now is doubled in just over a year's time. And that's an incredible amount of information. It's incredibly a fast growth curve. And I think we all know that. You know, we've got social media, we've got TV, we've got books, magazines, newspapers. The internet is one of those things that is rapidly becoming fast available to almost everyone around the world. And because of that, the amount of knowledge we're able to get out there and the technologies we've developed that help us to learn faster and faster and faster. But here's the question we've got to ask ourselves. Is the amount of wisdom we have and is the amount of wisdom we're gaining and is the amount of wisdom we're applying to our lives proportionate to the amount of knowledge we're gaining? And the answer to that is, I don't think so. I think if we look at our culture around us, we all know that we're growing in our ability to retain or to gain information. But I'm not too sure that if we look at our world, wisdom is keeping up with the knowledge growth curve. I think at this point it would be helpful to maybe distinguish the difference between knowledge and wisdom. And some people would, uh, would use that age-old adage to explain the difference. And this is where the sermon title comes in. You know, to explain the difference between wisdom and knowledge, some people say that uh, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. But wisdom is knowing not to put it into a fruit salad. And that's really distills what the difference is between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is, 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 is knowing what to do with a tomato. 
There's lots of things that are appropriate to do with a tomato. You can chop it up and put it inside a Greek salad. A nice salad with lettuce and cucumber and feta and olives and tomato, especially cherry tomatoes. You can slice it up nice and thin and put it on a cheese and chutney sandwich with some tomato in the middle. If you're not South African or you're watching this outside of South Africa, we've got something uh, called a braai broekje. It's Afrikaans. It's a braai bread. We stick it on a grill over the fire and we have a braai broekje. It's one of my favorite things to do. And to be honest, there's nothing else hotter than lava on this earth than the tomato in the middle of a braai broekje. So you've got to be careful of that. But there's so many different appropriate things to do with a tomato. But one of the things you don't do with with a tomato, hopefully, is put it into a fruit salad. So wisdom is really the ability to take the information you have and correctly apply it at the correct time to achieve, in our case, a godly outcome. Knowledge is, knowledge is knowing stuff. Knowledge is, is, is having information. But, but, but wisdom, the fundamental difference between wisdom and knowledge is wisdom is being able to take what you know and skillfully apply it. So the, the word wisdom we get from the Hebrew word chokmah. Um, and basically, in uh, Hebrew culture, if someone's really skilled at something, uh, you would say about that person that they've really got chokmah in that. So if someone's really a skilled craftsman, work with their hands really well, make wooden um, you know, furniture and things like that, they've got chokmah in that area. So you could have all the tools, you could have all the knowledge, but have no skill to do with those tools and with that knowledge what you need to do. And you don't have chokmah, you don't have skill. You can have all the knowledge and, 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 and be able to theoret- theoretically do it, but not be able to. And you wouldn't then technically have wisdom for that thing. And that's, that's really what wisdom is. It's being able to take the information you have and correctly apply it at the correct time for the outcomes you desire. Charles Spurgeon once said this, To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. See, wisdom, as God's word speaks about it, really is a commodity. And as believers, we are so blessed to have an entire genre of wisdom literature in the scriptures. Now, we've got the Proverbs, we've got Song of Songs, we've got the book of Job, we've got Ecclesiastes. And the entire book of Proverbs, the theme of Proverbs is this, pursue wisdom. As Christians, we should be desiring this with all of our hearts. We should be seeking to have our wisdom curve double as often as our knowledge curve does. Solomon says this in Proverbs chapter 4, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention. Do not forsake my teaching. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forsake wisdom. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it cost you all you have, get understanding. Accept what I say. I guide you in the way of wisdom. See, verse after verse, the message is the same. Seek wisdom. Get wisdom. Because wisdom pays. He goes on in the Proverbs to say this. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom. The man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. 
She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. One thing to notice in these scriptures is Solomon is encouraging the people he's writing to to seek it, to go after it, which would imply that wisdom doesn't just fall into your lap. Wisdom isn't just something that you get. You don't just get wisdom by default or by osmosis. Knowledge comes. We gain knowledge by reading and sometimes knowledge just happens to flow. Whether we want it or not, we gain it. But understanding and wisdom is something entirely different. It's developing the skill of being able to use that information for godly purposes and outcomes. Wisdom really is that quality that enables one to live an extraordinary, exemplary and recognizably different life. An outstanding life for the glory of God. Wisdom enables us to do that. But the sad reality is I think many Christians don't necessarily see the value of wisdom, or don't really think about it as a character trait that has to be pursued and nurtured and grown and sought after and cultivated. We think sometimes it just comes. Of course, uh, when you speak to many people, they would agree very quickly that wisdom is so much more valuable than wealth and status and, and all that sort of stuff. But actually, when it comes to living out our lives, I wonder how many of us pursue wisdom the same way we pursue financial gain. Comfort or security or followers on Twitter or Instagram or likes on Facebook or how we pursue our favorite TV uh, actors or musicians or bands or whatever it is, or sports stars or sports teams. Somehow so many people believe that, that wisdom just comes by itself. And yes, I, I, would, I would have to agree in a discussion that we may have that by default, sometimes we do gain wisdom through life experience. And, and, and often wisdom is the result of a long life lived and lessons learnt. But not always. Not every older person who's lived a long life is a wise person. And likewise, not every young person who has got a lot of life to live is not wise. Remember, you can have all the information possible but be unskilled in applying it and living that stuff out. In your life and you'll be considered biblically speaking unwise and I really do feel that the Christian who gains wisdom through making poor decisions all the time and learning hard lessons is much further behind than the Christian who seeks the right kind of wisdom from the beginning you know if I just look at my own life there's so many ways that I've learned things and have become wise in different areas that I've had to learn the hard way and instead of listening to somebody and applying what they have learned and how to apply certain information they've got and do that for myself and learning from other people's mistakes, I've had to go and make my own. For example, when I came to know Jesus, I blew myself up with a chlorine bomb. I knew how to make the bomb. I knew uh, how to put it together. Uh, I knew that I shouldn't have been doing it, but I did it anyway. And I used the knowledge that I had of how to do this very unskillfully, or some might say very well, because I, I achieved the end purpose and the bomb blew up, but I was holding it in my hands. And I had to learn a very hard lesson. And I learned that wisdom is not putting those chemicals into a glass bottle and holding it in your hands. Now, some may hear me share that and think they'd still like to go and try it, and you'd be unwise. But you would be wise if you took the information I shared with you, and I said that I almost lost my life doing that, and apply it to your life and not go do it yourself. That would be wise. And so I learned that lesson the hard way and through life experience. You can learn it like this just by listening. 
And I think we need to be able to develop this ability to ask God for wisdom, to learn from others' mistakes, and not always rely on life experience and years and years of living to get us to where we need to be wisdom-wise for the kingdom of God. So yes, absolutely wisdom can be gained through life experience. However, wisdom can also be given. Wisdom, God's word speaks about, is God-given. And we should desire it. And we should ask God for it. And we should apply it to our lives. And, and, and here's why. It says in the Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 8, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have understanding and power. By me, kings reign and rulers make laws that are just. By me, princes govern and all nobles who rule on earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield, yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the ways of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasures or treasuries full. You know, as we read that, the question we've got to ask ourselves is, why would we not want that? Why would we not pursue that? Why would we not desire that and spend our lives desiring to have that and apply that to our lives so we can reap the benefits of wisdom? Wisdom is so incredibly valuable. It's, it's a commodity worth having. So the question we've got to ask ourselves is, how much are we pursuing wisdom? How do we pursue wisdom? How do we get it? And there's just two points I want to unpack under that heading. The one is this. The way to gain wisdom, the way to pursue wisdom, is to know and to fear God. In the book of Job, we find this question being asked as well. It's written, it says in the book of Job chapter 28, But where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? Man does not comprehend its worth. It cannot be found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not with me. The sea says, it is not with me. Where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing, concealed even from the birds of the air. Destruction and death say only a rumor of it has reached our ears. God understands the way to it and he alone knows where it dwells. And he said to men, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. So according to this passage, only God is the source of wisdom. God understands the way to wisdom because he alone is wisdom and the source of all things wise. In the book of James, it's not going to come up on your screen, but James chapter 1, it says, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God to give him wisdom. And God who is generous will give generously without finding fault. Church, we need to be a people who ask God for wisdom. But being able to ask God for wisdom implies that we have relationship in other words, ask God, but ask out of a deep relationship with Him. Relationship, therefore, is one of the things that's absolutely necessary in order to gain godly wisdom, the, the wisdom that God's Word speaks about. You know, there's the wisdom of the world, and then there's the wisdom of God, and they're entirely different. Godly wisdom flows straight from God, and is the wisdom that produces the fruit we so desire, and the things we so desire to experience as Christians as we walk with the Lord. To know God is to know wisdom. 
And to be in relationship with him is essential to gaining it. Because out of relationship, we can call Abba Father and say, God, please give me this thing you so desire to give me that I so need in my life. From the scripture we read in Job, though, as well, we, we have this passage or this portion that says, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. So true wisdom can only be gained by being in relationship with God and by fearing God. And to fear God doesn't mean what some people think it means. It simply means to nurture an attitude of reverence and awe and respect for the living God. It's an attitude of humility before Him, walking in radical obedience and dependence upon Him. To fear the Lord means to be of a similar mindset as a subject to a very powerful king. It's to be under their divine authority and rule as one who knows that they will surely give an account for their actions and what they do in this life. And so to fear God is like that being around the lion Aslan in Narnia. You know, the children were able to be around him. They were comfortable around him. They were able to touch him. They weren't terrified of him, but they knew all the time that he was powerful and still a lion. And there's that scripture, and we sing that song, Our God is a lion, the lion of Judah. And every knee shall bow before the lion and the lamb. Our God is both the lamb and the lion. So when we come to God with fear and with reverence, it means we submit to him and we choose to use our chokmah, our skill that he gives to us in applying the knowledge we have of God's desire and will for our lives. And when we do that, we end up honoring him and we do it because we fear him and he is our king. David cried out to God. He said this in Psalm 86, verse 11, Teach me your way, O Lord. And I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. You see, David understood that he couldn't fear God if his heart was divided. If he had loyalties and allegiances here and he was trying to split them between whatever he was allegiant to and the Lord, he would never be able to fear God because God requires all of us, not just some of us. And that was so important to David because if he didn't fear God, he wouldn't appropriately and skillfully use the knowledge he had for the glory of God. He would use it for something Else. And so David understood what the fear of the Lord meant for him and how necessary it was to living a life of wisdom. Remember, wisdom is taking what we know and skillfully using that to achieve a purpose. And our purpose as Christians is to glorify God and to bring him praise and to achieve his kingdom purposes. And so we take the knowledge that scripture gives to us and we apply it skillfully for the glory of God. And the fear of the Lord is required for that as well as relationship with him. Wisdom relates to developing an eternal perspective on life, and it can only come from knowing and fearing God. The second thing we need to do to gain wisdom is that we need to prioritize wisdom. It needs to be a priority in our life, church, where we desire wisdom more than we desire other things. If God or let's say a messenger from God had to come to you today and give you or say to you that they were going to grant you one wish, what is it that you would wish for? What is it that you would ask God for if he was promising you to give you your one wish? Some of us would try and be clever maybe and ask for more wishes. Um, I don't know. To be honest, I can speak about it theoretically and try and be pious and righteous and and humble and go, I would ask for wisdom or I'd ask for, you know, 
poverty to be eradicated or I'd ask for whatever sounds really righteous and noble. And, 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 and there are times, yeah, sure, maybe that would be what I would ask for. But to really be in that moment, I think, to be honest, I'd have to really battle my flesh and my sinful desires and that sinful nature that wants to creep up and, and, and be selfish. And I think a lot of us recognize that in us. That if we were given that one choice, maybe we'd ask for endless finances. Maybe we'd ask for comfortable life. I don't know. What would you ask God for? Now, there's a scripture that speaks about a man who did ask for something that pleased God. It was Solomon. And I think the answer to your question really does illuminate your value system and where your heart is. But Solomon was a man who instead of asking God for wisdom, I mean, instead of asking God for, for wealth or power, or long life, ask God for wisdom. He asked God for a discerning heart, a heart full of wisdom. And the Lord was pleased with what Solomon asked for. Here's what he says. He says, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never be or never, so that there has never been or never will be anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands as David your father did, I will give you long life. So because Solomon prioritized wisdom, he got wisdom. But he has the beautiful thing. Not only did he gain wisdom, but he gained all the other things he could have asked for as well as a result of asking God for wisdom. This really is an illustration of a kingdom truth and principle that Jesus speaks to us about concerning the one thing that we should all be living for. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. You see, when we ask God for godly wisdom, what we're actually asking Him for is a skill to administer the knowledge we have in such a way that we outwork our lives to fulfill His purposes and bring Him glory. And when we ask God for that, we're asking Him to help us to seek His kingdom first. It's no good reading endless book after endless book of studying the scriptures after scripture after scripture, of hearing sermon after sermon, going to church time after time, attending Bible study, listening to the best worship music around and never skillfully applying what we've learned through that. We would be unwise knowing what we know and not applying it and living it out. We need to skillfully apply what we know to be true and what we know God wants for us to our lives and in so doing we become wise we seek first his kingdom and everything else gets added to our lives as well now that's not a health wealth and prosperity message we don't seek God's wisdom for ulterior motives wisdom would teach us that that would be unwise to do and God knows the heart condition that you have when you come to him whether you desire honestly to live a life of wisdom or whether you're trying to reverse psychologize him if that's even a word apply reverse psychology on him and go god i want this but actually you want it because you want the other things as a first priority when we honestly pursue first things first the kingdom of god the wisdom that's required and we hunger and thirst for truth and righteousness second things are often added as well when we pursue second things first, the unfortunate thing about that is not only do we miss out on the first things, but we also miss out on the fullness and the fulfillment of the second things in life that God has for us. 
So this is my prayer for us as a church. My prayer is that we become a people who, who know and who fear God. That we'd be a people who prioritize wisdom, who seek wisdom, who desire it, who love wisdom, and who consider the knowledge that we have. And, 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 sorry, and people who, I desire for us to be people who consider the knowledge that we have, how much of it we have, and how we can skillfully apply that to our lives to honor God and to bless one another. We so need wisdom. So let me conclude with this today. As I said before, wisdom is, is, is really at its, at its core as, and at its essence. It's the art of living with each facet of life under God's authority. But godly wisdom differs greatly to the wisdom of this world. And, 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 and James, in the book of James chapter 3, explains this very well to us. He says this, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such Wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. You know, wise men and women throughout the ages have dedicated days and days and hours and a lifetime sometimes to, to reading regularly the wisdom script, scripture and, and um, wisdom books that we have in scripture. Wisdom literature. They, they soak it up. They eat it up. They devour it because they understand the blessing and the necessity of wisdom and the importance of wisdom in our lives. Our culture really is fat on information but i feel sadly is really thin on wisdom and as god's people we need to rise up we need to take what we know and ask god to help us to skillfully apply it we need to be a people god's people who know how to take the raw material of life and and refine it by applying it properly and displaying the wisdom of god to people and achieving for god his purposes his kingdom desires for us and for his church. And the end, the end goal will be the glorification of God more and more throughout the nations and throughout the earth, throughout the ages that are still to come. And more and more people will be added to the kingdom of God. That is our, should be our desire and our purpose as a church. And wisdom is necessary for that. We must be able to take the crude data of life and transform it into high-octane fuel for the kingdom. Back to the sermon title. We, we, we should not be those people. Who are putting tomatoes in the fruit salad. Metaphorically speaking. Wisdom. Perseveres. It preserves. It lasts beyond the currents of culture. It goes beyond the fashion of the day. Wisdom seeks that. Which will last and is willing to trade. Immediate gratification for eternal reward. Let me say that again. Wisdom seeks that which lasts and is willing to trade immediate gratification for an eternal reward. This is the sad reality for those who are going to reject the idea of wisdom and the idea of, in a godly way, skillfully applying what they know to their lives. It will result in Christians or people who spend their lives 
painstakingly building what is essentially going to be a house of cards. Without wisdom, it will all come crashing down and be meaningless in the end. Instead of applying wisdom and building the fine materials, precious gems and jewels and gold and silver and the things of the kingdom that are lost. So church, let us pray together. Let us pray for each other and let us spend time in the wisdom literature. Let us not just know it and have information about the kingdom and of God's word and his desire and his will for our lives. But let us live it out. Let us be wise in the application of our knowledge. I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to pray for you and pray for myself. Pray for our church. Wherever you are, pray over you that God would anoint you with the skill to live out your life the way that you know you should for the glory of his name. That we would be wise beyond our years. Wise not in the world's eyes, but before the Lord so that the world could see the glory of God. In the name of Jesus be made famous. Let's pray together. Father, we want to pray today that you would pour out upon us as your people and lavish upon us that which we so desperately need, the wisdom of God. Help us to see, Lord, with eternal perspective. Help us to see King Jesus the way that we should see you. Help us to see our lives the way that we should see our lives and, and to take the information we've gathered, we've, we've gathered and will continue to gather over the years we've lived and years, Lord, be it that we will live. And I pray, help us to live skillfully and wonderfully and fearfully for the glory of your name. We have been fearfully and wonderfully made, Lord. Help us to live fearfully and wonderfully. Help us to desire to live the way you've called us to. Help us to be wise. May our wisdom curve double. May our wisdom curve exceed our knowledge curve. I pray for that in Jesus' name. Lord, may we live to please you. May out of the mouths of your people flow wisdom and life as we receive it from you for the glory of your name and the benefit of others. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Church, bless you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Wherever you are, I pray that you have a great day, a great evening, a great morning, a great time with family, friends, or whatever it is that you're going to do. If you need anything from us as a church, please contact us on the number below. You can email me at roland at connectchurch.org.za. We'd love to hear from you. But until next time, bless you and have a wonderful day. Bye.